0: Well, what do you think some of the best-selling toys of all time are? We're going to look at the top 15 and see if you think any of these were the answer that you would have given here. Number 14 and 15, top best-selling toys of all time, the Super Soaker, Squirt Gun, and the Rubik's Cube. 11, 12, and 13, the Star Wars action figures, Hula Hoop, Mr. Potato Head. 9 and 10, Legos, the Etch-a-Sketch, 7 and 8, Hot Wheels and G.I. Joe Action Figures. Number five and six, Transformers and Silly Putty. Here's the top four, though. Number four, the Radio Flyer, the the Red Wagon, popular now for decades. Number three, Easy Bake Oven. Number two, actually 2,500 years old, number two is the Yo-Yo. Number one, anybody know what the number one toy is? Any guesses for that? Over 1 billion of these sold. 1 billion for the number one toy. Actually, it is the Barbie doll. Barbie doll. What's interesting though is finance.com asked people, what is it that you want this year? Asking all age groups. And here's the top answers that people gave. What do you really want for Christmas? Number one answer, 53% said gift cards. Second answer is clothing. Number three, a trip. Four, electronics. And number five, toys. And the last one here, number six, big ticket items, such as a car or a house. We're all in this time of year now, the Christmas season now upon us, in Advent, in full swing. That word Advent is from a Latin word that means to come into. And we recognize two things during Advent. We recognize the arrival of Christ in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And the second thing is we recognize that one day he shall return. Now, whether that's going to be today or many years from now, no one can say. But we recognize both of those promises, the arrival in Bethlehem. And one day he promises that he shall return. Martin Dale said this, Advent reminds us one day Jesus will return in glory, and he wants us to go on living as if he was coming tomorrow. We need to ask, if he came tomorrow, would we be embarrassed by what he would find us doing? It's a great question. If Jesus came tomorrow, would he be embarrassed by what he would find us doing? We're going to look at some things today. What is it people really want out of life? What are some things to help? make the the promises of Christ more real in our life. And also some things, especially if you're in a relationship, something that will really vastly help you understand your husband, your wife, and how to improve that marriage. Even if it's great, you can improve it. If there's problems, you'll understand more and more why that is. We're going to look at some things, though, for each of us here today, whether you're married or single, about what is the promise then of Advent. Luke chapter 4, Jesus is in Capernaum. He's healed people, delivered them from demonic oppression. He's taught, and they're amazed, and say he teaches like one with authority in a way we've never heard before. He goes with Peter. Remember, Peter's mother-in-law is ill, and he he heals her. Next day, he's going to leave, and the people are wanting him to stay, and they want him to be there with them for weeks and months and continue this ministry Luke four forty three. Jesus says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. That is why I was sent. And then he leaves to go to the next town and the next town. He himself said he must proclaim the good news, the gospel. That is why he was sent. The good news, again, we're going to see some of the promises of that, the deliverance from sin and self and selfishness and weakness, Satan in our life overcoming any obstacles he places before us. Because the good news is Christ has brought us freedom, and that is why he was sent. And understanding that is really the core of just daily life. Here is putting flesh on that promise. This is Thomas Toole, a minister. He was sharing about a Christmas service. There was a man named Jim, and Jim had been coming to worship for several weeks, and he knew Jim's story. Jim was an alcoholic and had been sober for six months. However, his drinking had cost him not just his job, but even more than that, cost him his his family. His wife divorced him. He was glad to see Jim arrive for Christmas service. He watched as Jim sat down behind a family of four. Jim only stayed a moment. He got up to leave. And Thomas went to the door and said, Jim, why don't you stay? And he says, I can't. You know, I see all these happy families and I don't have that now. And he says, where are you going, Jim? And he says, I'll probably go get a drink. He says, Jim, why don't you call your sponsor? And he says, my sponsor's out of town and there's nobody that can help me. I can't sit behind a family without knowing if I had my life together. I'd be here tonight with my wife and kids too. And Thomas Sheridan said to Jim at that moment, just three words, wait right here. Thomas went to the front of the sanctuary, the service about to start, and he said, are there any friends of Bill Wilson here? Bill Wilson, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. He said all over the sanctuary, men and women stood up, raised their hands and said, I'm a friend of Bill Wilson. And he said, if you're a friend of Bill Wilson, could you meet me in the back? They went to the back and joined him. He introduced the people to Jim. And then he went back to the front of the sanctuary and said, we had our Christmas service there in the sanctuary. He said, more so than that, in the back of the sanctuary, Jim and these other believers, they had a Christmas worship service too. You see, that's the good news. The kingdom of God, Jesus sent to tell us the gospel. There's a freedom in him. Freedom from sin, but also freedom from anything else that inhibits our life from being just like his. If you turn to Luke chapter three, just verse five, in this series of verses, John the Baptist is stating that promise that most, I'm sure, have heard, where he says he was sent to to make way for the coming of the Messiah. And John the Baptist says things, and he says there are mountains that'll be that'll be made low. There are valleys that will be built up. And then in Luke 3, 5, he says, the crooked things shall be made straight. All of these have an understanding in that culture that people would have recognized. You see, the literal picture being painted there described the physical work of preparing roads to make them fit for a king to travel over. The figurative of sense, though, is the internal wrestling mass, the spiritual wrestling match the repentance often needed as we give our hearts to Christ. And so when John the Baptist says, the crooked things shall be made straight, we can all stop and say, what are the crooked things in my life? You think about a crooked road, they were straightening out those roads to make them easier to travel over. Crooked roads in a spiritual sense are those things that divert our attention from Christ and separate us further from him. And he says, he'll make those roads straight. Sin will be cleansed from our life. But we're also to partner with him in that, in making crooked things straight. You know, if we've been dishonest, to, to turn from that and begin to be honest. If we've taken from people unfairly to make recompense and make it right. If we've said harsh things to somebody we care about to, to make that right. You know, we can make crooked things straight as well. He makes the ultimate things straight straight those things that are crooked in our life due to our sin, as only he can cleanse that. But we're meant to partner with him then in that good news, tell others then about the crooked roads that can be made straight by his wisdom, his grace, his strength in us. Strong's Concordance, that word crooked, it's from the Greek word scolios. And in English, we use that root word for scoliosis. Scoliosis is an abnormal curvature of the spine. As Strong says, it describes something as literally crooked, bent, or warped, as opposed to that which is straight. Figuratively, scolios refers to anything that deviates from a standard or norm, and scripture is used of things that are morally or spiritually corrupt. As Billy Graham says, how are we to prepare? We make straight his paths. You know, again, if you've been a deceitful person, to turn from that and say, I'm going to be somebody with integrity. If you've cheated, to confess that and make right the pain that you've caused. If you've lived with compromise with the world to say, you know what, Lord, I don't want to live like that anymore and turn from that and trust again in him, the one who will then help you to make the crooked thing straight. When you see things in life, that are not the way they are meant to be in culture and other people's lives, you start to say, you know what, I see how their life could be so much different if they knew the freedom of the gospel and to help share that with people in a way that's loving and with grace. An unknown person wrote this years ago, but it simply says, more light than we can learn, more wealth than we can treasure, more love than we can earn, more peace than we can measure, because one child is born. That's the promise of Advent. That's the promise of daily life that Christ enters in and makes the crooked things straight. And then once we're free, we can cooperate with him and help make some crooked things straight. I'll give you some tools here in, in just a moment. That again, if you're in a relationship to apply these and, and see things radically be changed, it'll help you understand that person in the mirror. It'll help you understand your spouse, your own family, and again, we'll see that here in a moment. But let's consider this one child that was born. One of the most beautiful illustrations of that is the true story of the peace child as shared and experienced by Don and Carol Richardson. They were missionaries in New Guinea to the Sowie tribes. And these events took place in the 1960s. They wanted to, they wanted to evangelize these tribes. And at the time, the Sowie tribes were at war with each other. And they were cannibals. And in the end, the efforts that the Richardsons gave to these people seemed to not have any impact. And after the 15th war between these tribes, Don and Carol told the people they give up. And they were leaving. They said they were leaving the next day. And what happened is the tribal leaders pled with them to stay. And they said, we will make peace permanent when the sun comes up. And Don and Carol Richardson shared they, they were very skeptical. They had just watched these people fight year in and year out. They went to bed. They woke up the next day. They had no idea what they were about to witness. They didn't know their lives were about to be radically changed. They were about to see something amazing. They went out their door and on both sides of this field, the warring tribes had gathered outside their home. There was silence for several minutes and the Richardson said suddenly there was a scream to the right and a man with an infant and his weeping wife in tow crossed to the opposite side and gave the other tribe this baby. He stated, I plead the peace child. Minutes later, the scene repeated itself from the other side. Another father another infant, another weeping mother. And this man said, I plead the peace child. The leaders then approached the Richardsons and they explained to them, as long as our children are living in one another's tribes, there will be peace among us. And the Richardsons saw this and they said, this is what we've been telling you the gospel is all these years. This is the promise we've been sharing, that there was an infant, a king that was born to reconcile us to the father. And then the people said, now we understand what the gospel is. And the people gave their lives to Christ one by one, understanding that the child in the manger also brought us peace. Gave his life that we might no longer be at odds with God, no longer separated by sin and death. And as Christ gave our lives, gave his life for ours, the just for the unjust, the righteous for the sinner, that's the promise. The Richardson went on to say, a few years passed and Christmas arrived. One of the leaders wanted to share the message that day. He turned to Isaiah and read, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A few years ago, on the 15th anniversary of this event, a journalist actually went to New Guinea, skeptical himself. What he found was the people were still at peace and they were still following Christ. The miracle of what takes place when we embrace and understand the good news is he must preach it, he preached it, he lived it. and He promises now he'll make the crooked things straight. So what do people really want for Christmas? I've shared many principles and learn all the time. Again, mentors like Tony Robbins, Chloe Madonis, John Regier. What is it people really want for Christmas? They, They want on a daily basis, summarizing from some of the people I've learned for. Here's what people really want. What a person did not receive as a child, that is what they will long for their entire life. What a person did not receive as a child, that is what they will long for their entire life. You, know, you want to know why husbands and wives argue and it never seems to get anywhere? Because you're aiming at the wrong target. If you're trying to meet the wrong need, not understanding what is really at the core of somebody's heart, you won't find answers. You see, if somebody received no acceptance as a child, they are craving somebody to come along and give them unconditional love. If somebody else received no attention as a child, they're craving somebody who will simply notice them and listen to them and say, I give you my heart. If somebody else they grew up in love was scarce in their household and they didn't ever receive it in in a real deep way, they're gonna be desperate for love like a person is desperate for oxygen in their lungs. You see what a person did not receive? If you look into the mirror, if you look at your partner, or you simply can ask them and say, you know, what is it that you did not receive? That's what that person is longing for. And when they receive that gift, you see, that's what people really want at the core. And that's the gift that will continue to bring joy and fulfillment. Here's a simple prayer you and I can share on a daily basis. John Rajeer said again, pray this prayer the next 10 days. Maybe you don't have all the answers. None of us do, of course, but you maybe think, you know, how do I help make crooked things straight? Here's a simple prayer. Next 10 days, just pray, God, I want to help people with the ability that I have. God, I want to help people with the ability that I have. And allow him to bring people into your life knowing the things you can speak to them. That's the promise. Again, he came to share the gospel, the good news, as Jesus said, that is why he was sent. Let me close here with something sharing from a gentleman named Wayne Lawson. Not everybody enjoys the holiday seasons. And that may be some here today, and that's very understandable. But let me share something, though, that if even that is where you are, why Advent can still bring fulfillment and peace and joy into your life. Wayne Lawson said it so well. He said, Advent can't just deal with the past, the wonderful, magnificent birth of our Savior. It can't just deal with the future that Christ will return. Advent must also touch today, now. So here's what Wayne Lawson wrote. Just because Christmas is coming doesn't mean cancer is leaving. Just because Christmas is coming doesn't mean our deployed children are returning home for good. Just because Christmas is coming doesn't mean jobs suddenly appear and tensions between us disappear. Just because Christmas is coming doesn't mean we will now have an easier time paying our monthly bills. Just because Christmas is coming doesn't mean those broken relationships will now be fixed. Just because Christmas is coming doesn't mean the hurt and pain of missing a loved one is eased. And this is where Advent's a profound and blessed gift to us. Wayne Lawson continues, Advent is honesty. Advent lets us go to those places of waiting, unearth them, hold them out in front of us, and cry out, Come, Lord Jesus. Advent calls to us to keep awake, see the need, hold the sorrow, embrace, and sit in the waiting. Advent is also about now. Jesus tells us simply be ready. We do this by paying attention to the needs of others. We do this by opening our hearts to the least among us. We do this by loving our neighbor as ourselves. When we love one another, we are part of the God movement. That's what Jesus wants us to be ready to see. When we are bold enough to believe and embody the essence of Emmanuel, God with us. When we are bold enough to believe and embody the essence of God among us. When we are bold enough to believe and embody the essence of God for us. This is the message of Advent. So what are some crooked things that maybe need to be made straight? Some things that we can help work with Christ to bring about that change in our life and the lives around us. To commit daily to just simply pray God I want to help people with the ability that I have. To understand what people really want for Christmas is what a person did not receive as a child is what they will long for their entire life. So how will we begin to Aim now at a different target, at the truth, at life. Celebrating that he's arrived in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. That one day he will be coming again. And when he does, we don't want to be embarrassed by what he would find us doing. Rather, we want to be a people about the Father's business daily, helping, working in Christ that we might see the crooked things made straight.